For more than a decade, a global alliance of engineers developed unprecedented scientific payload aboard Solar Orbiter. A team from the University of Michigan helped lead that journey. In this episode of Reengineering Radio, we join them on launch night, a defining moment for them, for solar science, and our future as a spacefaring species. On the night of February 9th, an international family of collaborators passed through Kennedy Space Center's security entrance. In the distance, the stage is set at Space Launch Complex 41. The audience anxiously anticipates the countdown clock and the roaring spectacle it triggers. For colleagues Sue Lepre and Jim Raines, this moment has been 13 years in the making. So we've been working on this project now for more than a solar cycle. And so it's amazing to be here. And it's just blowing my mind, really. <laughs> that was Professor Lepre, a faculty member in the Climate and Space Sciences and Engineering Department. Waiting on the launch pad atop a United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket is Solar Orbiter, or SOLO. It's a satellite packed with an unprecedented suite of technology to study the sun. One of its instruments is a critical sensor that analyzes the composition of heavy ions in the solar wind. Lepre and Rains have been leading its development and are responsible for analyzing the science it will collect on its journey. For Sarah Spitzer, Lepre's PhD candidate, the moment is a culmination of emotions. Here's Sarah. I actually didn't realize how much it would mean to me to be here with my colleagues, with my advisors, to be at a place that was so awe-inspiring when I was a little kid, and to think, I'm not a tourist right now. I'm one of the scientists that make this happen, and I'm here with, you know, this fantastic scientist that I admire so much. Most people get to say, oh, I'm gonna, you know, our project is going to launch in a few hours. Our project is going to launch <laughs> in a few hours. <laughs> the anticipation of this launch has been amplified by a series of delays. Back to Professor Lepre. And, you know, we've had all sorts of different uh, challenges and uh, kind of, yeah, just, a lot of different events along the way. I mean, we were supposed to launch in 2017 and there were some issues and so it was delayed to 2018 and then 2019 and now here we are, 2020, it's actually gonna launch. It's sitting at the Cape, ready to go. Yet even tonight's launch window has been elusive. Originally slated for February 5th, it has slipped twice on its way to its current delicate standing. For the team, their dreams, aspirations, and travel plans are at the mercy of tonight's fortune. I mean, if I think about the launch, I'll be completely honest, I'm looking forward to it launching safely. That's Dr. Jim Raines, Associate Research Scientist in the Climate and Space Department. Right, I, myself and, and all of our teammates have spent, you know, I started working on this in 2007, so 13 years working on this thing, and even though it is a very rare occurrence, it's possible for there to be a problem during launch. So the first thing I'm looking forward to is it launching safely. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Um, I have every reason to believe that it will, but you know, I, I think several of us are just holding our breath a little bit, making sure that it does. Uncertainty is an agonizing component of space launches, but 2020 is certainly ushering in a shiny new era for solar science. Yeah, so there's kind of a fleet of spacecraft out there that are looking at the sun. There's a bunch of them sitting kind of at the gravitational uh, balance point between the sun and the Earth called L1, uh, the first Lagrangian point. Then we have a lot of instruments near Earth um, that are measuring kind of the impact of the solar wind on the Earth's magnetosphere. Um, and so there's really this giant fleet of spacecraft. And so kind of the solar orbiter and solar probe are really providing our, our closest 
views of the sun before that stuff propagates out to all these other spacecraft. NASA's Parker Solar Probe launched in 2018 and also carries UM expertise with it. LEPRI's colleague Justin Casper in the Climate and Space Department is a principal investigator for the Parker mission, which measures the solar wind at extreme proximity to the sun. The first data from Parker's historic look inside the sun's corona was published in late 2019, stunning the solar science community with unanticipated results and descriptions of rogue plasma waves. Solar Orbiter is a separate but complementary mission led by the European Space Agency with close partnership from NASA. SOLO's bigger body, roughly the size of a Chevy Tahoe, is packed with an array of 10 primary instruments, one of which LEPRI is the deputy principal investigator for. Parker, think Chevy Malibu, carries four instrument suites. It needed to be a lot lighter for its orbit to dip so close to the sun. Furthermore, Parker can't carry the same kind of hardware because of the extreme heat. For example, unlike SOLO, Parker has no cameras that view the sun directly. Technology isn't yet capable of surviving a stare down with the sun from that close up. Where Parker collects ground zero samples, SOLO is further back and able to use its cameras in conjunction with other onboard sensors to localize its solar wind samples to where they originated on the sun. And at key moments, both satellites' orbits align so that they can do measurements on the same gusts of solar wind at different points downstream. Especially exciting is that SOLO will provide new observations of the sun's mysterious poles. Better understanding the magnetic polar flips that influence solar cycles and space weather is a key mission objective. Professor Lepri explains it with this helpful comparison. Let's say that I have a candle and I blow it out and there's uh, kind of the soot trailing off of it. Well, as you get further from the candle, that soot kind of dissipates and you can't really tell where it is anymore. And so that's what happens as the sun blows out the solar wind. Um, it kind of spreads out and it starts to kind of um, get muddied as it moves out. And so when you're closer to the sun and closer to the source, you can still kind of make up the different parts that are coming out from the sun more cleanly. And so it's like being closer to the candle and being able to see that black trail of soot um, coming off that you are able to see the structures in the solar wind much, clean, much cleaner than you would kind of when you're further out. The goal behind Parker and Solo's tag team approach to analyzing the solar wind is to better predict when space soot might be a threat. A lot of the things that we take for granted, like our ability to use cell phones, have electricity, have GPS navigation, all of those things actually rely on our understanding of the space environment around Earth. Here's how Sarah sees it. We live on planet Earth in space. Everything here, life on this planet, is affected by the near space environment. It's affected by um, space weather. If you lived on a small island in the middle of the ocean, you probably would want to know something about the ocean. You would probably want to know if there were tsunamis or hurricanes or other environmental factors that could affect your life. And so living here on Earth, we need to understand space. Our ability to predict space weather is also important as humans spend more time in space. Dr. Raines gives this example. The idea of sending humans to Mars, for example, which is there's a lot of talk about now. I mean, one of the big things that's holding us back is because we don't have any way to predict the space weather environment, which, which some, of the, some of the aspects of space weather are these high energy particles that are near relativistic that basically penetrate right through um, metal shielding unless it's substantially thick and can can damage people in the same way that you know x-rays can and, and those sorts of things and so that's one of the things that holds us back is that the only thing 
Over the years, many climate and space students and faculty have contributed to the development of Solo's heavy ion sensor. Lepre and Rains have always been there, helping design the original proposal back in 2007. At that time, their advisor was Dr. Thomas Rebukin, the current Associate Administrator for the Science Mission Directorate at NASA. Although responsible for an array of other NASA projects, the UM team and Solo are still close to his heart. And on launch day, he happened to be close by. Although planning to attend the launch in official NASA capacity, Zerbukin was able to connect with his former students. A text on the morning of included the address of a Dunkin' Donuts along the main drag of Cocoa Beach. The three friends enjoyed a coffee in the early Florida sun. So I gave a press conference two days ago. and That's Dr. Zerbukin. And the project scientist from Europe said, I love every instrument the same way. I said, I don't. There's one that's much more important than all the others. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. Uh, because I worked on it from the beginning, right? Uh, the team we had at the time, I'm sure you have a same kind of quality team, but I think back to it fondly, right? We had, you know, like some kind of negative thinking engineers. We want those. You always want the squeaky wheel in the room, not outside of yeah, the room. going to find the problem. And then you have the amazing optimist, like, of course, no problem, until like the next day when they find the first one. <laughs> That's right. And then, That's true. <laughs> and you have balance. all of them. No, you, you don't want all the people that are too yeah. optimistic. Oh, hell. Yeah, they never find the problem. And also not only squeaky wheels, right, because right. Uh, otherwise you, you, need a, you need a psychologist for the team. Yeah. I think Sue is more of the optimistic kind, right? It's kind of, this is, this is uh, possible. Let's go make it happen and by the way that you want that kind of in a leadership team but a wise leader also takes a squeaky wheel and kind of I always said I want I want you right next to me because I want to understand why you worry so so yeah, and sometimes it's painful to kind of go through the process uh -huh. sometimes it's pretty it important right because you find yeah. something that's a problem are you the only female lead on this because I can't Probably. think of another one. Yeah, I yeah I, at least not in the Institute. And I think that's another version, right? We tried really hard to, to kind of bring other, other dimensions of diversity to bear. Yeah. And that just makes the teams better, you know? And I just really, I learned that. I use that every day at NASA. I use that every day at NASA, kind of what I learned at Michigan during these kind of things, the messenger, uh, the, the activity for, for this one. So I'm really proud of you guys for pulling it off. It's all you, right? I mean, I was yeah. just there at the beginning. You, took, you did, you did <laughs> well. It's a whole team. Yeah. No, I mean you as in you as the team. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, I just absolutely. really, I was there at the beginning and I'm really excited that I was. Makes me feel proud, but, but uh, you did it, so it's cool. That night, back at Kennedy, everything looks clear for launch, and the vibe is palpable. We put the mic on Professor Lepre. You know, it's amazing because, first of all, I'm here with uh, my old advisor, right? And to be here with my students, you know, and Sarah, and it's just like an experience that, as a grad student, I would have been, you know, just floored by. I mean, it's great, like, people, you know, that we've worked with for so many years, like, all their parents are there. It's like, it's unbelievable, you know, like um, project manager from, you know, Southwest shows up with his parents and then the systems engineer has, you know, his parents and then I've got my mom and it's just, uh, you know, that whole family idea, like it's just really comes to the forefront because here we all are, we've brought our families and we're just all together to enjoy this. And so it's awesome. And for my kids to be here and see this, I mean, you know, they're 11 years old. I didn't have this opportunity. Like, I hope they really cherish it. <laughs> After a final mission briefing, the countdown clock approaches its final minutes. Sir Buchan 
Lepri and Reigns find each other on the balcony of Operation Support Building 2, this time with Spitzer. Two generations of advisors and their students stand together ready to share an incredible view and accomplishment. We kept the next bit of audio pretty raw because it's just so cool. Here's Professor Lepri during the launch. Oh, man. What's my heart rate? What's my heart rate? You're checking your heart rate? Yeah. Oh, my God. Six, five, four, three, two, one. There it is. Oh, my God. Woo! Oh, my God. All right. There it is. Unbelievable. All right. less stressed now than I was in the beginning. <laughs> I feel like I'm blinded by the uh, initial I thing. I can barely see it anymore. I know, it's like a little bit blurry. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sue passes out. No bad now. You think it was good that you changed your flight? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god. It, it looks like me. it's falling now. You don't say that. But it's not. It's going downrange. Is there a way to post this to YouTube? That's what I want. Um, yeah, we can probably post it to YouTube. Mom. All right, let's check out the heart rate. What was it? It was definitely higher. I don't know. I didn't know what to expect, but that was really cool. That was, I don't know. It was just unbelievable. It was just, it was just, yeah. Can't find the words to describe it. We are without words. <laughs> Throughout the whole thing, all eyes were fixed on the rocket, except for Thomas Rebuchen. For a very touching moment, he turned to watch the faces of his former students. For him, those expressions were what he wanted to remember. The team lingered on the balcony until Solo's last flicker blinked out of sight. Inside, the scientists shared a celebratory champagne toast. There is more joy, fear, and collaboration in store as Solo journeys towards the sun. Now it's a space mission. In the coming weeks, each instrument will take turns coming online. Data will begin to pour in, with the first public data anticipated for September 2020. Each gravity assist and wave of discovery will bring butterflies to the UM team and the global solo family. Launch was just the beginning. Thanks for listening. And hey, one more thing before you go please subscribe to Re-Engineering Radio. And if you have a minute, drop us a review. See you next time.